Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is 11:40 a.m., November 14th, uh, Sunday, 2021, and it's like freaking 54 degrees outside. <sighs> Cold for me. <laughs> I know other people be like, "Oh, that's that's nothing," but no, nah, that's that's not in my Georgia bones. I do not appreciate this weather that much. I mean, it's still nice out here. You know, sun is out, blue sky and all that. Um, but got like a little breeze. I'm like, where is this breeze in the, in the summer when we have this dry heat? <laughs> but uh, anyways, so something I, I, I forgot to mention uh, yesterday about my week is that um, I had we wa- I watched this great video with my with my partner about. Uh, a a thing called aphantasia, right? So this aphantasia is a um, I, I hesitate to call it a disorder. Um, I guess you can say a condition or something. Like it's, it's sort of rare. Not about one percent of people have it. Um, where these pe- people can't see visual imagery in their mind, right? Where you know, if I say, think about an apple, right? What do you think about? What what, what comes to mind? Um, or if I say, you know, a clown riding a skateboard, right? <laughs> you know, most people can visualize something in their mind's eye of what they said. And, and there's probably different levels of, uh, or, right, amount, or, well, we'll get to that. But basically, you can visualize an image. And people with aphantasia cannot. Um, but the reason why this is not necessarily a disorder is because these folks are, can pretty much do, you know, pretty much everything that, um, a quote unquote normal person can do, um, for the most part. Uh, But some of the key differences is, is because they can't, you know, um, come up, like keep visual, visual stimuli or visual media in their minds. They don't hold memories the same way, right? They don't experience uh, loss and suffering the same way, because uh, it turns out a, a lot of our kind of memories are tied to the visual imagery of a certain, you know, experience. So in this in this uh, video, they mentioned how uh, there's this one dude who, when his mom passed, um. They're fairly close. He was able to kind of, you know, process the death better, or and, and kind of get over, not get over, but you know, go through the grieving process more quickly than his siblings. To the point where, <laughs> um, unfortunately, for a while, some of his siblings um, didn't really regard him well. Like they kind of <laughs> saw saw that negatively. Like thought he was like a psychopath or something like that, or that he didn't care as much. But in reality, he cared a great deal. But um, he just doesn't have the ability to to hold that in his mind. Like when he thinks about his mother, he just doesn't remember her face, doesn't see her face. But when he sees a picture of her, all those memories, you know, are are, are stimulated again. But without those those pictures, um, those memories are kind of not there. <laughs> He, he he can still remember like facts about it and all this other stuff, 
but he doesn't like he can't drudge up these 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 memories um, the same way as other folks might and this is uh, similar for a lot of people with this um, condition apparently and um, this is super interesting stuff right I, I really love learning about this stuff but uh, <laughs> what really made this video stand out to me was when my partner and I talked about this and it turns out like I might have a a a sort of um half version of this. I'm not sure if that's if that's a thing, you know? And it and it kind of we 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 had a whole we started a whole conversation about this stuff afterwards to try and figure out what is the what is the spectrum of visual imagery, right? In in one's mind of mental imagery. Because for a long time, I thought I had a super vivid imagination. I think I've said that several times on this podcast, right? But <laughs> when we did that exercise of like thinking like a, think, think about an apple, you know, something simple or think about like a complicated, you know, visual imagery or something like that. My partner, she was able to have an extremely detailed vision, right? Like, like her imagery of the apple she can <laughs> she this might say more about her than than everybody else but i i tested this with the rest of my family as well but like when i said think about the apple she thought about first like in a half a second she was able to think about like you know thick you know not thick oh my gosh like a green apple with like moisture on the side the stem at the top you know um um all these other details like <laughs> And I'm kind of struggling here because it's this is my own thing, and I'll, I'll get to that shortly. But she was able to, you know, quickly say say all these different details about this apple that she was thinking about, and at the same time, or or like quickly thereafter, she was able to think about like dozens of other types of apples. Like she re, she vividly recalled this poster she saw with all the different types of apples, and she was able to recall that as well as like all the details of those different types of apples and the names of those apples printed under them like she has an amazing memory right and she's probably you know way better than most people but <laughs> she has an absolutely amazing you know memory and visual stimuli visual imagery in her mind um so she was able to and like on top of that she has like like the table you know around the apple and then like she remembers like or, or could could think about like the taste of the apple the smell of the apple like biting into the apple and how it how it feels and all that other stuff like all the juicy like she could explain all this like like just like that right and that floored me because again i thought i had a vivid imagination but when i did this exercise <laughs> um especially when i was trying to describe to her what i saw it took me several seconds first of all to coalesce this image of an apple all right and whereas she could see it as if it's real, for me, it was like, you know, it's, it's like, um, I, I describe it as like low opacity, <laughs> right? There's like 20 to maybe if I concentrate really hard, I can get up to 80% opacity level of this apple. But it's still ultimately see-through and it's kind of vague and subtle. And, and it, what, it was it's difficult for me to, you know, come up with all these details because... For me, when I think about this visual um, imagery, I think about like one detail at a time. Like, okay, it's green, right? All right, I got a green apple. <laughs> and then, uh, okay, you know, how, how, uh, 
like the shadows what, what what might that look like or or oh there's a stem right that should be there and then you know um uh, maybe it's on a table or something like I'm, I'm trying to think about all the different details but for her like she was able to just 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 list them all off just like a whole bunch of details that that instantly came to her mind and then when i tested this out with my with my family they were very similar like they weren't as 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 a detailed as her but she, they were able to quickly you know oh here yeah apple it's wet there's this there's that and the other you know there's a stem all this other stuff but for me i'm just like i didn't even think about adding a stem or like water or like all these other details that they brought up and why didn't i think about that like i thought i had a visual imagination <laughs> all right and this floored me this here i am at the at the age of 27 and and realizing that i think <laughs> very differently than than many than um these people around me right i just thought that was normal i thought that's how imagination you know worked like you couldn't see it I, uh, you know clearly like i thought you know it, it was obvious that you know <laughs> imagination or visual stimuli was always like you know some vague subtle thing <laughs> and the reason why my imagination i thought was so vivid was because i had i could i could come up with a whole bunch of ideas and details around it right but i realize now what i actually do with my imagination is not necessarily the details of specific things what i realize is that it's it's the details of systems of ideas right like when i think about a a complex system or a person or anything i think about all the ideas around that thing right so for an apple i might <laughs> instead of thinking about like an apple like what it is i usually come up with you know what is an apple? Like it grows on trees and has all it, you know. If you it has a seed inside of it and you know this, their skin and all this other stuff. Like I think about the facts of the apple first before I ever you know come up coalesce with the visual imagery of the apple, and that's just how I I've done it for a very long time, and I never really I thought that was kind of I guess normal, <laughs> and uh, you know the only reason why I thought I was I had a vivid imagination is because when I, when I, you know, whenever I share ideas with other people, they're like, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of detail or, or you know, it's a lot of cool ideas and stuff like, or I never thought that way, right? So I figured, you know, maybe I just have more imagination. And the reason is because I read, I've read more books. Like I, I've read hundreds, maybe thousands of books growing up and I'm just pulling from all these different places. Um, that's why I usually tell people I'm not I'm not that smart. I just read I just read a lot. <laughs> I'm a freaking nerd. But um anyways, yeah. So this made me realize that you know there's a huge amount of like sp like spectrum here. And this is this should be obvious, right? In in retrospect that obviously, you know, not everybody thinks the same. Um but it's just these small details like how vivid your imagination is how visual is it really right and like people with aphantasia they still do have imagination like there's there's people who can draw um and stuff like that but they don't imagine pictures right they don't imagine pictures it's just just kind of black in their mind and what comes to mind might be facts or ideas or something like that there's there's artists who um 
who can animate and make characters and what they do is look at reference imagery or they make facial expressions themselves like they make the expressions and feel that with like proprioception and then and then try to draw what they're feeling on their own face right that's amazing apparently um one of the uh highest one of the lead you know directors or creative directors for for disney you know he was uh he has aphantasia and there's another youtuber um who was on this uh thing about it too but yeah like this just boggled my mind <laughs> so this whole week i've just been like kind of reflecting on my mind's eye and how i see the world and, and things like that and i've been wondering like what is this what is the spectrum for this like i i've mentioned this about my partner i think early on in my my uh podcast but or in the early episodes but she has synesthesia right where she is able to like some of her reference her um senses are crossed right where she is able to like hear a color or not necessarily hear a color i think her specifically is like um she sees colors according to like emotions or um or like experiences or certain certain um i guess things right are able to create this sort of effect in her mind um and synesthesia is different for you know different people like i i i think i may may have mentioned this before but you know there's this cook who who was blind but um um he saw in his mind's eye like or he felt like um textures with different foods and it was able to come up with you know how they felt and when i say textures i don't mean like the actual texture of the food like it's like really weird stuff <laughs> like broccoli is glass and you know it's like a it's like a glass like texture then you know uh, cheese is like a you know um, um plastic texture or whatever and depending on how you cook it depends on how well they go together and all this other stuff um but yeah different different synesthesia synesthesia folks have different types of senses some people claim that synesthesia isn't real it's just you know some imagine some vivid imagination stuff but there's been plenty of other you know experiments and things like that that show that it is it is real um but all this stuff kind of gets me thinking especially when you throw in things like aphantasia gets me thinking like how can we uh study this more like i try to look up is there is there like a um a spectrum of aphantasia um apparently it is like some people have more like are are have more affectation than others like are completely unable to come to to visualize any visual media like you know anything while others can only um only have difficulties with faces while you know still yet others have difficulties with you know objects or something like that so it depends on the type of person as as well but yeah it's just it was just crazy to me to, to, to to find this out about myself um and you know my loved ones uh, so many years <laughs> after the fact or so many years you know into my life so i would i would you know um encourage you listeners to uh try this yourself with your partners or with your loved ones you know try to visualize um something and, and see and describe it for them and, and have them describe it for you and see how you all differ how quickly it takes you for it to come to mind, how solid of it, how many details you get, and all this other stuff. Because um, it's just things like this. It's just 
it's just so so interesting right where very basic things about how we how we see the world very basic things about our perceptions and our um life can be so different (laughs) than other people and it manifests in different ways you know it, it creates all sorts of interesting um just effects or or just stuff it's just interesting <laughs> and um this all reminds me of uh why i really want to one day create some sort of you know thing some sort of software i guess it would most likely be that allows you to see you know all the different ways in which your your life kind of coalesces like um this is very this is going to take a very left turn <laughs> a huge tangent but i'm referring basically to to like this idea of determinism right and to me this is related because with determinism um you have this idea that we don't necessarily have free will and there's you know everything is caused everything is caused by something else right there's a causal factor for every decision or every um you know thing in our life so the and the question is not necessarily you know what, what like what is some magical dis, the, like what is your free will or what 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 you decided to do the question is why you decide to do that right and the reason why i bring this up is because there th- this visual imagery like the way in which we see the world um the way in which we imagine the world right dictates how what we can do like like i said before with some people with aphantasia they're not able to hold on to memories and they don't have they don't they don't really experience a whole lot of you know um suffering um from from these memories at least because of that right versus uh, the vast majority of people who do and they experience that and as i was talking with my partner we we've had um a kind of breakthrough in our own understanding of of, of each other uh in ourselves through this idea because with her you know she is very hard for her to let go of you know the past let go of things that she's been through and um she suffers a lot for it right um and for me it's not it's not it's not that difficult like <laughs> I've, there's a lot of things i've been through and um whenever i like bring this up with other people they're like oh wow that's 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 a lot i'm just like it's not you know it's whatever um and for i, I for a while I, I just thought you know maybe it was because i i reflected on it and you know <laughs> you know did this that and the other but maybe it's simply because my brain is less just just holds memories less right like <laughs> it i it's maybe i just biologically find it difficult to hold on to uh or find it near impossible right to to hold on to these memories and therefore harder to to experience that suffering right and therefore i'm more i'm more that's a, that may be a huge reason as to why i'm more future facing as opposed to my partner who is more uh, past facing like even though i really love history i love it for for its ability to predict the future and for its ability to allow us to build a better future whereas her she goes into um 
um, like the past and history from a perspective of like kind of suffering and things like that, uh, which to me is very painful because I'm just like, dang, there's so many lessons you can learn. But if you're more, you know, feeling all those, all those, all the pain from it, you know, it's hard to like learn that lesson is you're just kind of stuck in that pain, um, which is kind of sad. But it's also, I think, a large part of what makes her so, you know, compassionate and empathetic and things like that. Like she's an amazing person, um, but like as you can see here, like it, it's probably it's more it's more a factor of like the, the decisions that we make or that we think we make, and the things in which we the way in which we see the world and all this other stuff. The the more you learn about the human body and the brain and all this other stuff, the more that you see how a lot of what we think and do is a direct cause of or a direct effect of some causal factor of our biology or our evolution or you know our um like our environment and things like that like (laughs) there's a huge causal factor for everything and this is why I'm, i'm constantly going more and more away from this idea of free will and towards determinism because it's just like the more you the more you know <laughs> the more you realize that there's this whole idea of free will is kind of a, an illusion right and what makes it so much more potent to me is that it's a bad illusion right it's it's some somewhat of a necessary one because at first glance as soon as people hear oh you don't have free will they automatically think oh somebody's controlling me oh there's no point in me doing this that or the other or whatever right and therefore like like the initial friction to believing that you are not in charge of your life um brings up it makes it's <laughs> it's funny here it's predictable right it's it's predictably you know creates bad behaviors However, when you step beyond that, when you go beyond that initial fr- friction point, that initial panic, right? You're actually able to see the beauty in this. Because now, sorry, it has some nose runny. It's cold, man. I'm not, I'm not built for this weather. <laughs> um, but once you, once you step beyond that, that, that panic, and you, and you kind of look at what this really means. You can see once again the beauty, and that beauty is is such things like being able to learn more about yourself, being able to always discover more about who you are and what you can do, being able to see what creates meaningful change. Because people think that you know, um, if we have free will, that means everything comes down to self discipline. Right, everything like therefore everything you have in your life is your fault. Right, <laughs> like if if you failing, it's your fault. If you're succeeding, it's your fault. Right, and this seems like a good thing, but it's actually really not, because what what happens almost on ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time <laughs> is that even when you fail or succeed, you completely disregard everything that brought you there, and you think it's all you. It's a very arrogant you know, egotistical stance. And because of that, when you fail, a lot of people, you know, blame themselves and become even more stuck in that failure. 
They don't learn from it because they think they are a failure. They think, you know, you are a failure. Me and you because we, you know, have failed at our at whatever that thing we like. I've, I've you know, thought about this myself plenty of times. I thought, oh, I'm I'm a failure. I'm just not, you know, um, cut out for this or this, that, and the other because I failed. And on the, on the other hand, people that succeed, right? They think they are so much better than everybody else or that they are some, you know, um, um, uh, chosen person or this, that, and the other. You kind of get real arrogant real quick <laughs> even when you succeed. Even if you're a really good person and you're, you know, you have all this self-discipline, you begin to see the world as, oh, these people, they just don't have enough self-discipline or, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's a very kind of corrosive and uh, corruptive idea. However, when you when you begin to have a more deterministic sense, right, you can see that actually, if you want to make a decision, if you want to make a change, you realize that there are certain environmental things that have to change. There's things about your environment that has to change. There's ways in which you have to. Um, be more aware of how your brain works, of how your body works, and work with that, right? It's like, it's like, if you want to, you know, swim, you have to realize that you'll you'll go much further if you swim with the current rather than against it. Likewise, in your own mind, if you're trying to make a decision, if you're trying to, you know, change a habit or anything like that, you have to go with the flow of your mind, of your body, rather than against it. Right. For me, for instance, I always used to, you know, try to be super focused. Right. They say, oh, you have to focus. You have to, you know, um, look at one thing and, and, and chase that one thing until you find success. Right. I, I really thought that was, you know, how you how you need to do things. That's people. That's what everybody said. Um, and it really resonated with me. Right. I thought, you know, that's what the, the way to go. But that's this time. That's not how my brain is built. Right? That's not what works for me. What works for me is to do a whole bunch of things to the point where other people are like, how the hell did you get anything done? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I just I just follow my passion. I just follow you know what makes what, what feels right to me. So I do this project, I do that project. And yeah, it's it's frustrating. Right? Because some because I'm still working first of all, because I'm not I still don't know exactly what's best for me. Like exactly how my brain works. But it's also frustrating because I'm still fighting against this societal expectation of, oh, I, I should focus more. I should focus more. Right? I'm still fighting that. But I'm not gonna lie. When I when I when I have a whole bunch of projects, I, I feel so freaking good, man. I'm just like, oh wow, look at my freaking schedule. I'm doing this, that, and it's not about being busy. No, it's just I feel stimulated. Right? I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm just, boom, bam. I'm just in a flow. Right? It's like dancing. It feels so freaking good. But if as soon as other people look at my stuff, they're like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, right? it, looks, it looks absolutely chaotic. But that's what works for me. All right? And I think the same thing goes for everybody. And you see this as people, when you read, like, when you look at, uh, uh, when you look at habit building, you know, Atomic Habits, that book. And people who have been super successful in their lives, when you actually look at what they did to be, become successful, you realize that the most 
impactful things for them was not actually their own decision to be successful, right? It wasn't that some self-discipline. It was the fact that they built an environment around themselves that pushed them towards success. Everything from, you know, the resources they had available to them to, you know, people around them that were able to help, you know, accountability partners and this, that, and the other, you know, um, um, freaking whatever else. Like, there's tons of different things that it depends on the type of person. Like, in this book, uh, Miracle Equation, right, he talks about um, being, making making affirmations and stuff like that. And those affirmations aren't just him, you know, saying, you know, um, wishy-washy words. It's, it's like an action-oriented thing. Like, here's things I'm going to do, and here's, you know, the people I can depend upon, and here's why I do it. So it's, you're like building an environment in your mind. You're building the, the overall construct as to why, you know, or how you may do a certain thing. Likewise, a huge part of that milk equation is having accountability partners. Having accountability system, really. Right? And then another part of that is, you know, setting up your schedule so that it reflects directly with, you know, what you want to do, what you want to get done. All of this is environmental setup. Like, this is not, <laughs> you can't, you can't um, control time. Only thing you can control is what you focus on at any point in time. And so it's the best way to do that is to try and set up a schedule in which, you know, during that time, like that time is dedicated towards doing that one thing, whether it's spending time with family or doing this type of work or whatever. Right. And so that's why I really want to one day build this sort of software that that helps people to see all these things that 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 play a part in who they are. Right. Everything from your your cultural background to your, you know, psychological profile to your biological neurology neurological <laughs> um, makeup and all that all that stuff right the environmental factors that you're in the the um how you grew up you know any sort of you know trauma that you've experienced in, in your childhood because that's always a huge portion of this um you know the beliefs the ideas that you're exposed to you know the people that you're around um and maybe even, you know, this is why I still don't believe that um, astrology is um, 100% like complete bunk. Because we, we just don't know if it has some impact. And maybe it's a small, minuscule thing, right? But I've seen a, like a scary amount of details and these sorts of um, astrologies, things that go into death. Like when you really go into death with it, it's kind of scary you know how accurate it is and maybe maybe again maybe it's just you know how the exact word it but my point here is that i think realizing that we don't have free will right actually opens you up to learning more about yourself and the universe that we're in all right that's as simple as i can make it and it's a simple idea but it's a very, very incredibly complex soup and explanation. Because the, the, the more you learn <laughs> about, you know, what impacts you, everything from how the sun is hitting you to the angle of the, the, the planet to the atmosphere, you know, the oxygen in the atmosphere and the carbon dioxide as, as well and, you know, the, 
individual uh, mutations in your cells and you know your immune system and your diet and there's like literally countless things that can impact any one decision or any one thought and because of that there because of that sheer complexity i think it's obvious why we even came up with this idea of free will because you have to think about it like i don't think animals have this idea of free will because animals don't have any ideas of you know ego or anything like it, it just kind of run on instinct and the more intelligence you have the more you're able to you know separate this idea of the self from from the environment and because of that you begin to you know be more aware of the sheer amount of information that's in the environment there's so much information in this environment that you have to become blind to some of it right this is why it's it's kind of um silly to to call the human mind as completely you know um rational or things like that like r- logic and rational rationality is only s- useful in so far as you're comparing to the logic and rationality of other humans right and the reason I say that is because our brains literally have hundreds of cognitive biases, right? Hundreds. There's a project right now to trying to outline all of these biases and it's constantly building the more they learn about the brain. It seems like when you look at all this, it seems like the brain is not built to be logical. It's not built to be like a computer. We call it a computer, but that, that in and of itself is a bias, is a, is a, is a cognitive bias. Because we're biased towards whatever the the um, uh, the current machine is, whatever the current innovation or technology is. Be, be, be before computers, people used to say the brain is like a is like an automaton or you know like a clockwork machine. Before that, people used to say the brain is like a um, like an animal or you know this that and the other or you know or like a um, some philosophical stance or whatever like whatever was the steam engine or you know (laughs) you would compare it to whatever is the most recent kind of technology technological um development you know once we develop this next like quantum computers and quantum simulations and all this other stuff people are going to say oh the brain is actually more like a quantum simulation and they're right right (laughs) because i i think that with our what, what we're doing with our technology and our machines is trying to you know replicate what's going on in our minds we're trying to you know manifest in the real world these virtual simulations and um it's a constant progress it's a constant process rather and progress and but yeah like i really think that we don't have free will and that's a good thing, right? If we did, then the world probably wouldn't work. <laughs> the universe wouldn't be here, right? Because the whole idea of free will kind of assumes kind of random randomness, that things just happen, that we just decide things like without any sort of <laughs> logic or, or causal factors behind it. But in reality, there's a causal factor for everything. The question is, how many? <laughs> right like there's so many simple things about the world like in my newsletter I'm 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 coming to a point where I'm 
kind of wrapping up this idea of hierarchies as the source of inequality and and um, a lot of the problems that we have in today's world and I'm comparing hierarchies to cancer right and when you look up cancer you realize that it's very it's a very very simple thing right all it is is you know genetic mutations and uh, causing cells to reproduce you know ad infinitum <laughs> that's it it's super simple but the the question is People, when they say they don't know the cause of cancer, what they actually say, like, we know the cause of cancer. It's, you know, cells mutating too much. It's cells reproducing too much, rather. They're just growing at infinitum. But we don't know what, like, all the ways in which that mutation happens. Right? There's so many different factors into this. The environmental, you know, the your genetics, your um, diet, uh, exercise. There's all, the, all these different ways, you know that play into how that mutation happens and in what way and, and how it plays out and all this other stuff, right? And so the, the, the more we learn about the world, the more we see how very simple things become complex due to the sheer amount of interactions, the sheer amount of, once again, information that is, that is here, that is present in the world. Right, and it's scary. Of course, it's scary, because there. Yeah, the truth is that we'll never know. We we will actually never know, one hundred percent, all the things that <laughs> that lead us to any sort, any behavior, or any any one behavior, or any one idea, or anything like that. We'll never know. But the point here is not to know one hundred percent. The point is how to become better. Right. How to better improve ourselves. How to better the world. How to do whatever we want better. And that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of of determinism. Specifically, systems-based determinism. Is realizing that there's always more to learn. And maybe that's just my bias because I'm a learner at heart. Like (laughs) I said, I've mentioned before, one of my strengths is being a learner. Oh, actually... I didn't. I had to redo that podcast, right? I did a whole podcast episode where I was going through my strengths finder results. Um and unfortunately it was too long and I didn't realize it and then it cut off and I <laughs> I, I was talking for a long time. <laughs> so I need to completely redo that or just release the first part and then redo the second part. I don't know. But just recap that real quick. I did a strengths finder test with my company and my like my top five or really top ten um but my top five are all in like this strategic learner or strategic stuff area um and like the top two is, is learner and input um and then uh, no it's ideator ideas ide- i forgot ideation i don't know ideas basically then input then learner or maybe it's reverse i don't know one of those but <laughs> that's like in my top three and then beyond beyond that it's like um um I forgot the 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 exact words I'm terrible at this <laughs> my memory right now but anyways the point is I think what's that's that's what's super beautiful about realizing that we don't really have free will All right and, and again it's, it's it is scary and free will can be useful but like I said in my my last uh newsletter free will is like light pollution right and small doses it can be very powerful and very useful just like 
you know, having street light, street lights or street lamps, right? Um, and at first, it seemed very amazing that we can do that, that we have these cities that never sleep and all that. Like we have this artificial light. That's probably what I should have said. <laughs> Free will is like artificial light. All right, it's a very powerful idea. It's very useful, but when you use it too much, it creates light pollution. I should I should I should actually update that. <laughs> um, I don't know why I just now thought of it like that, but either way, the point is free will is artificial. All right, it can light up the way, it can light up the darkness of this this unknown that is constantly around us, this ignorance that we are always in. It can. Um, very much illuminate you know everything from the darkness of our minds to the darkness of other people's um behaviors and minds and everything else like it's it's amazing but when you use it too much it becomes pollution and that it negatively impacts the environment around you and yourself it blinds you to what's in the environment it blinds you to your surroundings and the the sheer the, the sheer subtleties that's in the environment, right? It becomes makes you dependent on this on this light source because it atrophies your own ability to see in that dark. It can be useful for seeing in dark that you literally can't see in. But the more we learn about the, ourselves, we can kind of strengthen our ability to see in that darkness. Furthermore, as we build entire cities and, you know, concepts in our minds or in the real world, if we depend too much on this artificial light to build those cities, to build those constructs, then once again, we negatively impact the entire environment around it. And we create a kind of wasteland of knowledge. A wasteland of potential. The more we build constructs and buildings or whatever that is more in balance with the environment, that takes into consideration all the finer details and habitats and all this other stuff that's around us, the richer we can build those constructs, the richer our structures become. Because now we're able to build a a construct that is not itself a wasteland, very much like our, you know, how our subdivisions are a wasteland, where it's very, you know, it's constantly killing all the life around it and all this other stuff, and uh, it looks just empty and and you know barren and stuff like that, where only we can live and we don't even live there well, <laughs> right? We're constantly. Um, under a psychological pressure simply because this doesn't actually align with our deeper needs of being being a part of nature and all this other stuff like <laughs> it's a similar construct i think with the uh completely conceptual things of buildings that we or conceptual cities that we build in our minds with these conceptual cities you know if we use artificial light and, and artificial products to, to kind of bulldoze over all the details and all the habitats and all the complex, subtle intricacies and interconnections between everything, 
right? It can make our own minds a kind of barren wasteland where it makes it difficult to pick up on all these intricacies and realize the potential for all these different intricate ecosystems of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. We need to strike that balance, you know? In a day-to-day -day life, it can be very useful to have an idea of free will, you know, to give you that sense of uh, discipline, if you want to call it, or that, that willpower to push you through a certain thing. But we have to realize that actually what's behind that might be something else. Like, you can only use your willpower to so much, just like, you know, a flashlight has only so much battery life. If you're constantly walking through this, this space of darkness, the unknown, you can't depend on that battery. You can't depend on that flashlight the whole time. You have to learn how to navigate the darkness without it. And to do that, you have to become knowledgeable about the landscape, about the environment that you're walking through. So that even in the dark, right, even in the unknown, you... you you know what you're walking through. Maybe I'm taking this metaphor too far. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just think it's it's a yeah, useful thing to keep in mind. Just think about it. Because I know a lot of people, you know, really don't like to, to get into this. Because <laughs> again, it's a very scary thing. And... Um, if you don't have a clear idea of determinism or systems thinking, you can put go down a kind of wrong path of thinking that there's only one cause for everything, everything, and that's that's kind of the part that really gets people stumbling and messing up on, about this idea. Is thinking that oh, if I don't have free will, it's because you know something is controlling me, and therefore every every bad behavior I have is not my fault, right? It's it's, it's just how I am. But no, that's not the point of this point of this is that you can change the question is how alright if you want to get yourself to do something better to do something different the question is how you can do that if you've done something bad the question is why did you do that alright it's not because you are some failure some, that's just how you are no it's because maybe you were raised a certain way right maybe you have some psychological thing maybe you have this that and the other like there's so many other so many causes there's so many factors that play in to why we do the things that we do and when you understand that you can begin to you know again become knowledgeable about these things And that's what I would love to uh, help people do more of. Just become more knowledgeable about the world and themselves and all this other stuff. Then we can figure out what to do with that information. Or as we figure out, as we learn more, we can do more. Every step of the way. But yeah, that's it for now. Um, just wanted to share that. As always, thanks for listening, and uh, let me know what you think about this stuff. Always uh, looking forward to hearing other other people's ideas and experiences and feelings and all that other stuff. And uh, yeah, 
have a great day. Um, keep an open mind and keep learning. <laughs> See you. Bye-bye.